0: Welcome to the Erasing Shame podcast, season one. This podcast is about erasing shame through honest talk for healthy living, emotionally, relationally, mentally, and personally. Visit our website at erasingshame.com for links to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe on iTunes and YouTube. Now, let's have an honest talk for healthy living. Welcome to the Erasing Shame podcast, Erasing Shame Through Honest Talk for Healthy Living. My name is Eunice Lee, and I'm your host for today. Um, My co-host, DJ, is traveling this week, um, and so I get the opportunity to um, host with a guest today. Um, So, we're starting a new type of, um, a new segment in our Racing Shame podcast in which we're going to have guests come and talk about their own expertise and um, their own experience with shame, um, both professionally and personally. And we're going to start um, today. I'm joined with Natalie Shea, who is a friend and also helps produce Erasing Shame every week. Um, she's, she's an integral part of our team. Uh, Natalie is currently pursuing her PhD in Systems, Families and Couples at Loma Linda University and she previously earned her Master's in Theological Studies at Bethel Seminary. She hopes to use her life experiences and education to strengthen Asian American families and churches in finding their voice and their way across generations in the United States. Natalie is married to Nick who serves in pastoral ministry in various Chinese Christian churches and she's also become a mommy to her firstborn son last July. So Natalie, <laughs> you and I have a lot in common in that we're both yeah. moms. My son is just a few months older. He was born in May.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, my son, Grayson, is just a few months older than yours. And um, we're both in the mental health field. Um, I so know. It's great to have you here today.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to join in.
0: Yeah. Now, Natalie, you and I met at kind of the birth of this um, erasing shame podcast uh, idea, and um, so I'm I'm just curious for you, what drew you to this topic, and what drew you to this podcast?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that can, I can. In nutshell, there's like a bigger version, but the nutshell version is I am in grad school, as as you mentioned, and I wanted to work on my dissertation and I've been really kind of puzzling over what I want to do. And it kind of keeps coming up. Like I want to look at shame and shame resiliency. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with being Asian and also my own experiences. But I was like, okay, I don't really know yet what my question is, but I want to talk about shame. And because I wanted to kind of network and kind of have other people to bounce ideas off. I um, was just kind of like thinking about that. And then DJ, um, who I had kind of casually known through um, connections through my husband and others um, at conferences, I was I saw something on social media. Oh, I remember this um, podcast of mine comes alive, and he was talking about that, so I just, got excited about that and decided to um, just message him and see, like, can I help in some way? Anyway, I don't know what that looks like, but that was kind of where I was coming from.
0: And tell me a little bit about your dissertation. Um, Do you, does it have a title?
1: Oh, wow. Actually, I wish that I was in a place where I could, like, give you the whole dish on that. I am actually still formulating it. I, I feel like I I tend to think more um, in research terms, like qualitative, so I want to hear people's stories like drawn out and be able to share. I'm kind of hoping because I'm in a families program that focuses on families more than individuals that I'll have a chance to kind of flesh out how -hmm. shame looks like in families and maybe in community. Yeah, hoping that it's useful to kind of look at the communal aspect of shame and not just um, one person's experience inside.
0: Well, it's great that you're on this podcast then. So Natalie, you know, as we talk about these things, and it's so interesting that you have a dissertation that talks about shame and <clears throat> excuse me, kind of a narrative way, I'm wondering if you wanted to um, share your thoughts on what we've been talking about and even your own story when it comes to shame.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate how we're trying to kind of highlight these different faces of shame because I think it can hit people in so many unique ways. And I think as far as just where I start from in terms of our show, I think something I really appreciate is that we're trying to draw out um, not only just the private kind of feeling of shame, but also how does that affect your relationships in a broader community in particular? Mm -hmm. Um, I think we've tried to kind of balance being located with some of us knowing like an Asian American experience, but then also recognizing shame is universal. Um, And so for me, I think something I add to the definitions we've already been putting out there is I feel like for me, um, in terms of the communal context, I think of shame a lot in terms of outsider insider. Mm -hmm. Like I think of um, just being feeling shame, meaning like somehow, for whatever reason, I find myself on the outside of this core group. And when I'm part of a culture that really values the group, then that can feel really alienating or very lonely Mm -hmm. or very isolating. Mm -hmm. So I think um, that's kind of what's in my head when I'm using the word shame. um, When I kind of use that language in my story, it's often when did Natalie feel like she was literally by herself or just even like pushed out or, or marginalized, like where when have I felt that? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like what I what I mean when I when I say the word shame. Yeah, and um, that
0: actually goes with a, a little bit what we talked about last week of mm-hmm. kind of shame is 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 the threat of being left out or left out in the cold. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah. I like that that word um, the cold because it feels like you're kind of frozen in your tracks. You're not sure how to find connection. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I can share a little bit. I think um, I want to focus on a couple of things, just kind of flesh that out. Um, I think in my own life, kind of want to paint a picture for you. Hopefully I can do that. Um, and essentially, I think how shame kind of. It was um, I so I grew up in a pretty tight knit like family and um, also it was, it was neat because I can tell you kind of what it feels like to be very connected socially, but to feel like you don't know how to connect emotionally. And that was kind of my experience. I, I felt like, um, I started growing up and everyone's kind of picking up, you know, who am I? I based that on how I'm treated or what I'm good at or how people know me. And I became quickly known as like a good, smart, nice girl. And I know some people kind of push back. They're like, oh, I don't want to be a good girl. But I really liked being known as good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of funny, right? Some of us love it. Some of us hate it. But I actually really liked um, feeling like I was a good person. Um, that was really important to me. And it kind of also grew up in the context my my parents, my extended family were not living nearby for much of my life. And so my parents were actually really important in our church family and that became like an extended family of some kind like for some of you that aren't familiar with like a uh, Chinese church kind of setting people were kind of like aunties and uncles they were like you know the we felt like family in some sense and because my parents were very well known I felt like you know this is actually really my own life you know extended so I think in that setting um I, you know, with that reputation of being good and smart, I was really doing well in school and I loved school. Um, so in that sense, I felt like I drew a lot of security and a sense of belonging to the group because I really just met expectations and I did well. And I enjoyed that sort of sense of security, that sense of like, I know how to do this. I know that I want to do good. And that kind of hit all the domains of my life, academically, relationships, and me being in the church as a Christian, and um, was a Christian church, I felt like being a Christian meant I was agreeing that I wanted to be a good person. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of where I was living. Yeah. Um, but then it started to get a little conflicted. Um, and that's where the shame part comes in. I think I started to realize that there are some pieces missing in like the sort of social reputation that I had in terms of being good, smart, and nice. I felt like I started wanting to um, have close friendships or relationships. And I know like a lot of us in middle school or onward start to really wonder, you know, um, do we have a best friend? Like some of these things that I experienced, I consider myself a pretty sensitive person. And even though I kind of didn't like that about myself growing up, I would always notice, you know, like, oh, like this person you know, was my best friend, but then now over here, I start to realize, you know, like they're suddenly really into this person. And mm-hmm. I just sort of zeroed in on these moments where other people seem to connect. And I didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mm-hmm. feel like somehow there's a piece missing. Like I didn't know how to have a security when it comes to relationships. Mm. Um, and I knew how to be secure work ethic I guess um but I didn't know what that meant for how to connect personally Mm -hmm. so I started to kind of like feel like there was this divide inside like I kind of knew socially how to act in terms of academics um and even in the church that I was part of but I didn't know how to connect um friendship wise and that became more and more important to me um having that sort of sense of like uh I don't know you know what I mean? Like kind of connection on a personal level. Um, so, yeah,
0: so staying kind of within the folds of, of the community rather than um, than outside of it, or even in specific friendships, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. And I think like, um, it's kind of like I, in, in the space of time over middle school and high school, I felt like things sort of started to chip away at mm-hmm. um, how I understood what I wanted in life. I think I, started to really create that friendship as I was saying, And at the same time, I started to feel like in like the church group that I was really close with, I started to feel like I was like more and more kind of on the fringes. Like I was sort of distancing myself without realizing it. Um, feeling like I was sort of on the outside, even though I'd started out on. hmm know how to like connect anymore and I started realizing I'm doing a lot more watching like what people are doing rather than feeling like I am really part of um these groups that I am with um meanwhile I also oh sorry go ahead do you feel like that's a pretty common experience kind of in the Asian Asian church
0: community like do you have you heard other stories too where that's that's the case
1: um, like the kind of watching rather than being
0: with. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, I think for me, I did start to connect with some folks that also felt like they weren't quite like in that core inner group. Mm-hmm. And so I think that part I did feel like was there. I think I was so just absorbed with my own insecurities that I didn't look around me all that much um and notice kind of like in that sense how other people were feeling but I did feel like um you know over time I did notice you know that sometimes there can be that dynamic where all of a sudden you're like oh I suddenly don't feel like I belong even though I used to yeah
0: yeah Yeah, so then what happened what happened next because it sounds like it was gradual but then you said you suddenly realized it. So it was, it was something that had been happening for a while. But yeah. then it just kind of dawned on you one day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like I kind of look back and, and I'm like always trying to make sense of my life. And so I did a lot of puzzling through, you know, what are the turning points? And I feel like, I mean, things are kind of eroding my sort of sense of security in terms of being with people. Um, I felt like I was wanting what, Um, I felt like I didn't know how to do and I didn't know how to translate like working hard into connecting well and this kind of came to a head when I was at the end of high school and heading to college and I think I feel like there are two major things that changed. Um, One was I left home I went to college and I was kind of in this um, mode where I was on the outside like living this sort of dream of many asian families i was at a really top rate in a university people always like prepare their kids to go to like, a top school and i was at one of those kinds of schools and i had the sort of picture perfect like thing but as i was mentioning inside i just felt very lost mm-hmm. i felt really um just confused and I didn't even really have words to describe that feeling um, but what shifted was I went to school um, I became really interested in psychology I'd actually never heard of psychology until I went to college and um, so again I can do book smarts I can do like school so I was like oh this subject is like really fascinating you can like study about people development You start to put words to things like emotions, mental health, mental illness, trauma, like all of these things I had like really zero exposure to in terms of conversation. Mm -hmm. I was just really interested. Um, So there's that. Um, I ended up majoring in psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I mentioned, I was really anxious about my personal life. And so I think the bigger shift, I would say arguably, was on the personal track, which was I was, like, fumbling through um, my first, like, encounter with a romantic relationship, and it kind of started out with kind of, this actually backed up to the last part of high school. I was trying to figure out, you know, where I was headed in life, and ironically, I was at this academic camp that I kind of, like, loved and hated that I was there, but I um, ended up finding this boy who was, like, interested in me, and and that kind of awakened this part of me that I hadn't touched or felt before, which was like that emotional part of me that I mm-hmm. felt like somehow I was drawn to understanding like how to connect, but I just had never felt connected. Mm-hmm. And that felt connecting. I saw I felt like, oh, like he's interested in me and And not only that, but he like opened up about things in his personal life. And I was like, whoa, I don't talk to people this way. Like, I don't know why, but I'm so drawn to hearing his story. Like I was feeling like so moved and like my heart was touched in a way that I just didn't have any words for. I was like, whoa, this must be what it's like to have like real relationship." like something about this like this is real like whatever I was doing was kind of real but it doesn't meet this need like this is what I need yeah. um, and I think it just filled such a space that I had been trying to put words to that I wrapped like so much of my emotions around this relationship and it kind of like absorbed a lot of my like just who I was for many years um, into college and I think be- because I was so hungry for that kind of connection and I was just very idealistic I was this good girl and because he had gone through terrible like things like you told me about and he was like, You're the first person that I feel connected to and I understand mm-hmm. me. I felt like he gave my good girl like a purpose, you know, like I felt like I was able to make mm-hmm. good on things he was saying were bad in his life. And that kind of connection sort of brought me a sense that I could do something, you know, with that good part of me. Mm -hmm. It turned into wanting to do good for him. And I think, um, there's kind of a whole long drawn out story, but the thing is like, things just sort of fell out and I didn't see it coming. Um, I was so um, blinded by my own need for the relationship and my own desire to be, um, just like a rescuer, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, if I look look back, I feel like that That's kind of what I was doing. I was really blind to like what was happening in the relationship and especially what was happening to me. Um, I didn't have enough words to know who I was emotionally. And so I just turned my needs outward and I was like, let me meet your emotional needs. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea. I was kind of just really being taken advantage of over time. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it sort of just all came out in this like fallout where all like, over the course of time, I started to realize that, you know, maybe the things that I was believing were love and, and dedication and like um, commitment, just having to do with what, what I was providing in terms of like um, the relationship. And I guess in that sense, I realized over time that I was being used like for the relationship instead of being another person.
0: I can imagine that changes your whole view of the world and your whole view of safety in relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that in, in some sense, I felt like it really rocked me to the core. There was a moment in time when it just really dawned on me that like just my world inside and, and had just broken to like a million pieces. I really didn't know like right like what I was doing and what was Mm -hmm. up and down. I just felt like at the same time, not only did my pursuit of trying to like be, be good. Like I just felt like I fell flat on my face and I, I didn't know what was good anymore. I Mm -hmm. felt like I wasn't good. I didn't feel like the situation was good, but I also felt responsible. I felt like I had chosen this relationship and I felt very, I think shame hit a lot of places. Like I felt the shame of, um, I guess, just feeling like I would chosen a way that I don't think any of the way I was raised would, like, have advised that I choose in terms of the dating relationship. So I felt like I don't know that I can, like, reach out to, like, ask for support from anybody mm-hmm. that used to know me as good because I don't feel good anymore. That's a um, really lonely place. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think at the same time, I also felt just... A lot of shame because I felt humiliated. I think I didn't have words to even admit that to myself at the time, but I felt like I believed that this person loved me. I believed that I was, you know, valued. And I think as I saw that eroding, I just it took me a long time to like admit it to myself that I had been deceived. Mm. Um, it, it felt like so condemning to admit that I had, even though I'm like book smart and intelligent, I just like had so much that I didn't know about life. Yeah. And I think yeah. as,
0: <clears throat> even as you're describing that, I think that experience of feeling betrayed and deceived in relationship, especially mm. as a woman, I can relate to, I think a lot of women can relate to that, especially when it comes to, you know, young romantic relationships because um, that's definitely not just the layer of shame that comes from the relationship, but also that um, almost sounds like you felt like you might've let some people down in your life. or Yeah, I mean, I felt like different. the
1: weight of my community, my family that I'd kind of like underground been like trying to create a space to figure out who I was that was different mm-hmm. than like the sort of like social experience that I was like feeling was very rigid. I was like trying to free myself, but I'd fallen flat on my face and I just felt like so much shame for having like decided to go against the grain and I also felt shame because I had been hiding so much Mm -hmm. of this from people that were important to me. Um, and so I just felt like such a lack of wholeness, like in my life, I just felt like I was like in a million pieces and I felt responsible to pick up those pieces, but I didn't know the first place to go.
0: Yeah. So then what did you do after that? I mean, you're, you're describing a situation. I think a lot of women and a lot of, well, a lot of our listeners can, can feel that, that intense, um, shame and feeling ambivalent and, um, Feeling a temptation, I'm sure to to isolate and be alone, and and just um, stuff it stuff it down and try to move on. Um, And what did you do that was different?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I did some like in terms of the coping. I think, I mean, I can speak a little bit to kind of my gut reaction, kind of like how I responded in the shame, and Mm -hmm. then what started to break out of it. I mean, I did. um, I feel like I I coped with a lot of my just hurt and pain. I think initially I felt very numb. Um, I tried to make my life feel normal again. I ended up getting into a relationship with, um, somebody in college after this. And even there, I felt like part of me internally was never at rest because I felt like even though I'd spent all of my energy trying to make good in someone else's life in the first relationship and that had not worked at all. I felt like I started to see in myself, like that I had the capacity where I was using that relationship to fill needs and wounds in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of me just never felt at rest. And again, I think a big part of my growing up experience was um, understanding uh, just The importance of, um, I guess, like, what am I trying to say? I think um, I feel like I started recognizing that I felt a lot of guilt as well as shame, um, just in terms of what I was doing in my own choices. Um, I started to realize, I read some journals of friends that I grew up with and They were kind of, it was in that era where people were journaling online and I was like really into like reading people's thoughts and feelings from (laughs) a distance, right? I wasn't brave enough to say like, Hey, how are you feeling and thinking? But I was like consuming these blogs and I was really interested in people that I knew their experiences. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that, um, I, I, I had to admit to myself that I was someone who, um, was like judging other people or, or doing things that I felt like went against my own standards of being good. Um, and that sort of softened me to recognize um, more about myself. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, I think I um, started to, uh, I started to open my heart in places where I had closed off in the past Um, For me, growing up as a Christian, I had never felt like I knew how to relate to God other than performing well, and I think this opened me to a really different posture in my spiritual life. Um, I felt like I softened to realize that, wow, I have a need for God. Um, I have a need to know who God is to know myself. And that was kind of a, a big important piece of my identity that I I'd sort of tucked away. Cause I thought I, I got this. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was just relationship wise. I started to, um, in my, in my, um, in my life, I, I felt like as I turned my heart, um, in that way, I, I started to also reach out to people in my life, and I experienced like this season of just sort of coming home to like different parts of my life. And it started very gradually. Um, I started in part to um, try to be open and to um, people in my life that I had kind of shut out um, without them even knowing um, from back home. And that included um, my my parents as well as um, some close friends that I had met uh, growing up.
0: How did that... Um... I mean, how was that received, particularly from your parents?
1: Well, it started gradually because I think, honestly, I hadn't had a good track record of knowing how to relate on a personal level with my parents. I knew for sure that they loved and cared for me and that they wanted a, a relationship with me, and so I think for me, on my end, it was trying, like, gradually to kind of kind of not be totally hiding things that were important to me and I started out with like things that were safe zone so I started talking more about what I wanted to major in or my schooling my plans for school all my future decisions it took a little time before I let them into things like uh, friendships or relationships that I was like interested in like um just like that are important to me and so I think I think it was a gradual process of like opening up layers of myself that I felt like were were important to me um Mm -hmm. and I think it was really key that I did reconnect with friends in my in my um my church as well as some child friends um again because I was very like good at knowing how to manage like how how I meshed with people on a social level. Um, I felt like people had no idea that I was like really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of just volunteered to say like, this is something I want you to know about me. Like mm-hmm. I went through this and I think it it was kind of me opening myself, but it was also me seeing in other friends, like examples of what it meant to find safety in friendship. Yeah. And I think this is how I see like, for me, I see this as, like, ways that, like, um, God was at work in my life, like, mm-hmm. helping me to find connection. Um, There's part of me that was opening up, but there was also other people that were um, ready and receptive and safe to... Mm-hmm with Um, and I think that was the other part that I didn't have control over but I did start to see those people in my life
0: yeah and I really like that you said I think what you said is yeah there's something about you about me I want you to know it's Mm -hmm. this desire to be known that we all have um, that takes a lot of courage and we've talked about that before in this podcast it's the courage that allows us to open up and be vulnerable and that is the um that's kind of where, where shame can, can heal. And um, so I'm curious for you, Natalie, if you were to sum up in a sentence or two, if someone were in your situation and feeling like they had this, um, not only this kind of reawakening emotions, but also experiencing great pain and great shame, what advice would you give them, somebody in your similar situation?
1: Yeah, it's, um, I mean, just to kind of sum it up, I think to be giving your, or to be kind to yourself mm-hmm. in life, it feels really, for someone who's very used to knowing, like, the importance of being intact, it can feel like the world has ended when you feel like a mess, and I think, I just understand that it may not feel like that's okay, but I just would want anyone listening to know that it's okay when life is messy, that might be an opportunity for you to see parts of life that hurt a little bit but actually open your eyes to seeing that there's more to you mm-hmm. than what made that mess Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah
0: thank you yes so there's a lot of beauty even in the pain and the tragedy of this world that um our story can be bigger than that yeah great well you know thank you so much natalie for coming and sharing your story um and This and other, our previous um, podcast episodes will be on our Facebook and our website. You can go to um, ErasingShame.com. And last week, listeners, we talked a little bit about asking for your stories and we've gotten responses and we want more. And so if you have something that you want to share with us, either on a personal level, questions about... um, about shame, questions about therapy, questions for Natalie and her journey, which um, I'm sure she'd be also willing to answer as well, Um, whether that be on air or just some way to correspond with you, um, please go on our website, erasingshame.com, and and drop us a line, or you can go on our Facebook page. And this video will also be available on YouTube and the audio on iTunes. So you can, so please subscribe to our our podcast on iTunes as well. Um, Thank you again so much, Natalie, for coming and um, sharing your story and um, allowing for our listeners to see that there is beauty, even in the pain, um, and that they don't have to live under shame. So thanks so much. um, And um, we appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. I I appreciate getting a chance to join in yeah thank you great
0: all right well we'll see you next week at um Thursday uh, on Thursday at 7 p.m. for our Facebook live Erasing Shame
1: bye Natalie